HE News, episode number six. Listening to Health Empowerment News with Prot and Woodruff. This week, the swine flu body bag fiasco, Bill C6, and corporate front groups. Welcome back to Health Empowerment News with Croft Woodruff. I'm here in the studio with Croft. And good day, Andrew. And today we're going to be talking about more on the swine flu, the body bag incident, Bill C6 before the Senate right now, and government corruption, government agency corruption, and front groups that act like scientific organizations that are for the protection of the public but aren't. More for the interests of big business and industry. Anybody who's been watching the news in Canada has heard about the swine flu body bag fiasco. Health Canada sent body bags to the native reserves in the northern communities in response to their request for... Swine flu kit. For a swine flu kit. Yes. So what do you think is happening there, Carl? Well, uh, the excuse was, well, normally the body bags are sent out by the RCMP. Uh, so they're putting the onus on the RCMP, and somehow or another they got mixed up, I guess, with Health Canada. But the bottom line is, is that the Native people are the last who really need, as far as I'm concerned, a swine flu kit, be it the vaccine or be it the drugs like Tamiflu, and relents at the inhalant version, because it is a matter of fact in the medical literature that there are about 24 cases of Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which is a horrible skin disease that is the result of a of side effect of Tamiflu. And it is some kind of enzyme inhibitor. It's similar to an anti-HIV AIDS drug called nevirapine, and the side effects are just horrendous, absolutely horrendous. It doesn't mean that everybody's going to get this if they take Tamiflu, but let's put it this way, your chances are, are pretty good that you might. And, and uh, not only that, the, the 24 cases, there is litigation going on over Tamiflu causing this condition. And all I can say is consumer beware. But why are they targeting our Native people? There are conspiracy theories about of population control, and uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. They wouldn't be above, you know, sending something out that would be more of a threat to them than a help. Health Canada said that they were over-anticipating the effect of the swine flu in the northern communities. People who are malnourished, people who have underlying health conditions, women who are pregnant and may have underlying health conditions, and young children, they are the most vulnerable to the toxins that are present in these vaccines. You know, that's something we should do. It's when on the vaccines, how they're made, what's in them, and what you can be doing playing vaccine roulette, because that's exactly what you're playing with. You see, I have absolutely no respect at all for this government bureaucracy because of what they've done in the past and what they're doing now, especially the likes of this Bill C-6, the fact that uh, they're going to have such draconian powers that Canadians have absolutely no right of trespass, no right of habeas corpus. You're considered guilty before 
you have a chance to prove your own innocence. And then these have these draconian bankrupting fines and jail sentences uh, as penalties for something that you haven't done at all. The same kind of legislation is being passed in France right now as well. And the French people normally take to the streets and burn flags and flip over cars and, and go uh, you know crazy with their demonstrations and, and uh, make it difficult for the government to pass legislation here. Canadians are more laid back and we don't... We don't act up. We just uh, say, "Oh no!" We'll just take a take. Uh, well, it's the government. It's for our own good. And the government wouldn't be doing. Wouldn't no, be government doing would that. do that. I can remember when I was a kid, and and my mother said something about that the government was up to with some particular health program, most likely a vaccine, and she had some negative comments. And I said, "Oh, mom, the government wouldn't do anything like that," and she said, "Don't you kid yourself?" Hysteria over the swine flu is intentional in order to get the, this kind of legislation through. That's it, exactly. And that's what they've done with Bill C-6, sliding it by, uh, you know, uh, so that uh, they can take these draconian measures. The tagline was that it was, actually it was Bill C-52. Yes. That they, uh, but Bill C-6 is in, is, is uh, the rebirth of Bill C-52. Yeah. And it's probably but they, even worse It than... was uh, lead in children's toys. Oh well, yeah. I mean, who who uh, you know who, who let the lead in the children's uh, the children's toys get into the country in the first place? But who wouldn't be against lead in children's toys? Of course, exactly. of course. But and and we need regulation to prevent. Who uh, wouldn't be against that, melamine but, in in uh, in cat and dog food, as well as powdered milk? You know, and I mean, whose responsibility that that's the responsibility of Health Canada when these things are are being imported? Into, into Canada or into the United States in the case of their Food and Drug Administration. And that kind of regulation makes sense, but this isn't what Bill C-6 is, is covering. This no. Bill C-6 is, is not strengthening the regulations to stop contaminated products from reaching Canadian shelves. Right? There's other ways of dealing with that. The legislation's already there. And, and you, they, could, they could increase the testing of the products. How about actually testing? They shut down the labs. Did you know that? How about actually testing? In the interest of saving money, they want to save money. So rather than spend the money on uh, on testing and keeping these labs running for testing, they want to hire more uh, more police. uh, You know, thought police, drug police, to uh, at great expense to uh, to shut down the natural health industry. The lab that actually tested the natural health products that they had a number of years ago. The justification for shutting it down was that they've never found anything wrong with with natural health products, and that the industry is safe. Yeah, but look what they're doing now. That's right. So they come they come right back and say, "Oh, we've got to do this and do that." One thing people have to understand is that you have these companies, these health food manufacturers, uh, the vitamin uh, supplement manufacturers. They do have their own labs that they use to test the product. They test the raw material before they even buy it. And when it's delivered, they test it again and compare with the previous tests. And then they they do their formulating. And then they test the formulated product. And they find that if the potency of the particular vitamin or mineral is not up to par, then they will reformulate. And then they test it again. And not only that, they have samples available for re- so that they can retest after the fact, because who knows, something could always slip by. And that's why the Canadian health food industry and the vitamin industry has such a safety record. 
And this is what really boggles the mind. We have politicians that are so stupid, they can't see that. But then, of course, you see, I, I laugh at these conservatives. They talk about democracy and human rights and civil rights, and they're, they're the first ones to sell us down the river and take away those rights in the name of security. Oh, that's what they always say. And then, of course, we have the liberals going along for the ride. I mean, they had an ample opportunity to bring the government down on, on this issue. But then, of course, we couldn't be sure about the NDP or the Bloc Québécois. You know, how does it go? They're always saying they're doing good things for you, you know, for your own good. Those are the people I distrust the most. Because more often than not, it ends up being bad for you. It's just unbelievable that such a bill could get passed. Certainly the NDP and the Bloc Québécois. Sometimes I'm not so sure about the Liberals because they'd had an opportunity to clean up Health Canada going back to the time when uh, Liberal uh, Alan Rock was the Minister of Health. And of course, uh, it goes back even further because we've had dealings with, uh, with Health Canada officials, food and drug inspectors, where they would actually try and manufacture evidence I can remember one case uh, involving a, a now-defunct retailer. He had a chain of vitamin stores throughout the Lower Mainland. And Trophic Canada of Penticton had come out with a um, health product called a calcium pangamate or pangamic acid, which had been extensively studied by the, uh, the Russians and seemed to have a benefit insofar as one's energy output and stamina is concerned, and therefore it should be considered perhaps a useful food supplement, and Health Canada decided to take action against Trophic. I mean, this wasn't something that was toxic or uh, anything uh, at all uh, that could be considered harmful, but they decided to move against it. And so we had a situation where there was promotional literature about it. I mean, how are you going to sell a product unless you have something to say about it uh, with a pamphlet? But the Health Canada or Food and Drug uh, Inspector went in, and he put the product on a table and set up uh, the uh, pamphlets alongside and started to take pictures. Well, this is an absolute no-no. This is manufacturing evidence. And Health Canada really doesn't want you to say anything about vitamins and minerals and food supplements, well, how good they are and how they should be used and what benefit they have had with regard to uh, research into uh, their, their usefulness in, you know, in improving nutrition and fortifying the body against disease. This is just incredible that they could do such a thing, but this was going on way back in the 70s and, uh, and into the 80s. And, but we never had uh, any uh, really sympathy from uh, the conservative government under Brian Mulroney, and Jake Epp, who was the health minister, was uh, really, as far as I'm concerned, a fifth columnist with regard to uh, representing industry interests. But then that's been the story of the Conservative Party throughout its history, is it has represented big business and has never really served the interests of the common people of this country. The Liberals, there was more hope with them, but they too uh, dragged their feet. And uh, things came to a head, of course when Alan Rock was with Health Minister, but we had previous ministers or their assistants that, you know, as liberal cabinet ministers, end up working for big business. And I, I can think of, doesn't matter, she was working for, uh, for the pharmaceutical industries as, as, a, uh, as a spokesperson. And, of course, with Big Pharma, they literally get away with murder, as uh, 
we all know. You mentioned how did Bill C-6 get past the New Democrats and the, the other parties. When it did pass third reading, the critic for the NDP said that it didn't have sharp enough teeth, which tells me she never really read it. She couldn't have. And that, and, that tells me that that was this uh, woman from Vancouver Island who I've crossed swords with and uh, actually uh, uh, gave me a lot of second thoughts about supporting uh, the New Democratic Party. Because these people are brainwashed. They're totally brainwashed into... Uh, uh, allopathic medicine, and that that's the way to go, and everything else is is uh, you know uh, going back to uh, you know the, the Stone Age or something along that line, without giving any credit to uh, scientists. The first water, like Abe Hoffer, and Linus Pauling, Erwin Stone, Emmanuel Cheraskin. I mean, I could just list off uh, names by the dozen, and these people don't have a clue. And I have to ask, where do they find? people like that to run for a political party. Obviously, they're well-groomed to be ignorant and not really be interested in serving the interests of the common man who is responsible for electing them. Well, they're not accountable Obviously, to their... Obviously, only at election time, and uh, usually by that, that, it's too late, the damage is done, and uh, you have to work like hard to persuade whoever comes into office to uh, be more rational about these things and set up the laws so that they re- truly reflect the best interests of the people. It's, it's no good having laws that protect industry and sell the people of the country down the river because that's exactly what's happening. We've seen that. How, I mean, how did Vioxx get approved way back in the 1980s? How did that get approved and had to be taken off the market? Now we have other drugs like, uh, well, Baycol. These drugs have killed hundreds of thousands of people causing heart attack or heart failure. And how did they get approved? And obviously because of the corruption within the regulatory bodies, not just Canada, but also the United States and the United Kingdom and other European countries as well. Before we go any further, I think that a lot of our listeners may not even know what Bill C-6 is because the local candidate for the Green Party didn't even know what Bill C-6, she had never heard of it. Bill C-6 is an amendment to the Consumer Protection Act. Originating out of Bill C-51 and C-52. And, and uh, before that, the, drug, the bill that foods are not drugs. We'll put it this way. The conservative opposition had a, a, a bill that would have really cleaned up and streamlined Health Canada as far as regulating natural health products. And basically, the credo was that foods are not drug. Whereas, as it stands today with the Food and Drug Act, uh, they treat vitamins and minerals and herbals as drugs. And if you make a claim for broccoli, a health claim for broccoli, it, under the Food and Drug Act, even with Bill C-6, it can be determined that you are making a, a health claim for that food and it becomes then a drug. Just like you would make a claim for aspirin, relieving a headache, it beca- aspirin is a drug. If you uh, make a, a claim for willow bark as a, a really for headache it becomes a drug and white willow bark is is the basically derivative. A deri- uh, that put it this way that aspirin uh, asa acetosalicylic acid is a derivative of white uh, willow bark so it's the natural source it's a natural the source but then of course you can't patent white willow bark but you can patent pure acetosalicylic acid Aspirin, in other words, you can patent that. And by patenting it, that means 
if you have exclusivity, you have rights to that, and anybody who uses that product and they have to purchase it, they pay a royalty which uh, goes to the coffers of the uh, patent right holder. That's the whole foundation of our drug industry today. They're making all kinds of claims for aspirin. A new claim, or more recent claim, is a blood thinner, so it would protect you against heart attack uh, by, preventing, uh, by thinning the blood and preventing blood clot. And actually, I say, so suggest to you that it's a very dangerous use for aspirin because it can cause internal bleeding. So Bill C-6 is before the Senate right now. It passed third reading in the House of Commons a number of months ago. Yes. Now it's before the Senate. Uh, the Senate is supposed to be the Studying s- it. sober second thought. Yeah. And due to the activities of a number of people who are fighting for health freedom in Canada, there's a lot of attention that is coming now to the before the senators. Some of them are, are quite, quite horrified for what they are reading. They see uh, that uh, that uh, right of uh, privacy, uh, the right to view, to you know a, a man's home is is his castle. That they can uh, do search and seizure without a warrant. I mean, this sounds like uh, this sounds like anti-terrorist legislation more than anything else. Well, Helky Ferry, the publisher owner of uh, Cost Publishing, she sent out an email. And I posted it on the Foods Are Not Drugs website. It's called What's Wrong with Bill C-6. And she, has, she puts out a number of points. The first one, this is coming from constitutional lawyer Sean Buckley. She, he says, for the first time in Canadian history, Bill C-6 not only abolishes the law of trespass, but also allows warrants to be issued to search private homes without evidence of criminal wrongdoing in violation of Section 8 of the Charter. Also under Bill C-6, Anybody that is considered to be in violation of the act, if the minister thinks this is so, this is the key point, it's determined by the minister, not by the courts. When has the minister had greater powers than the courts? Since when is any elected government official above the law? So that's what we're looking at. Uh, Bill C-6 also defines our government to include a government of a foreign state or a subdivision of a foreign state an international organization of states. Canadians cannot question or vote out foreign governments, therefore. But they have access to your private, your privacy. They have access to uh, information relative to you without your say-so. And uh, this is totally uh, an abrogation of our sovereign right as 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 a nation and as citizens independent of any foreign government or power. Well, this is under Section 36.2a of Bill C-6, and basically it gives a back door for amending the act in the future, yeah. defining a government as a foreign government group, a group of states, an international body, or a industrial trade organization. Well, it sounds like an open door for... For uh, Codex Elementarius. Uh, the Codex, Codex, mm-hmm. yes. So instead of having to put a bill or an amendment to the bill through Parliament again, it gets passed automatically due to this clause, which allows uh, amendments to the bill by a government and defining a government as outside of Canadian government. And this is, this or, is or a minister most... whose uh, uh, hands are in the pockets of big business and vice versa. Out, out of everything mm-hmm. in Bill C-6, this is the, one of the most disturbing yeah, clauses truly in Bill odious. C-6. Helky Ferry states that no matter how benevolent its intended protections, nothing warrants the removal of basic rights 
the subversion of the Constitution, the usurpation of the courts, and the disempowering of Canadian citizens. She further states that Bill C-6 cannot be amended, it must be withdrawn totally. Any other bill containing these provisions already passed or currently proposed must also be withdrawn. Given that it's currently before the Senate and some senators are actually taking notice and saying that, do we really want to be giving totalitarian power to a bureaucrat in the pursuit of a very noble cause of protecting the public? You know, sure, it's a noble cause, but take, removing the courts and removing any due process and the, the rule right of, law of redress. And this is what we're looking at. So it's very important. So I have a list of all the of all the senators. If you if you're listening and you want the list, email me at Andrew at foodsornotdrugs.com. Or you can go to the government website and look it up at uh Oh well it's uh, it's uh, government of Canada dot I'll post the website on the show notes of okay. this of this episode. Good. So anyone who's who wants to find their senator will be able to do so. Or you can you can send me an email at Andrew at foodsornotdrugs.com. So now, let's talk about that organization. This is a pseudo-consumer protection organization set up strictly to defend industry. The American Council on Science and Health is an industry front, and uh, there isn't a poison that they don't like. They've been great advocates of things like aspartame and also the use of bovine growth hormone to uh, give more, make, make old bossy give more cow's milk. And, of course... The, uh, the executive director of the American Council on Science and Health, Elizabeth Whalen, said, "Now, with this bovine growth hormone, uh, old Bossy can give more milk on less feed." Well, what kind of a scientist would make a statement like that? Because if you're going to make a cow give more milk on less feed, uh, something has to be given up to make, produce that milk, and it can only be at the at the expense of the cow. And of course, we now know that. The cows do develop uh, mastitis, inflammation of the of the mammary glands, and cause ulcers and bleeding and pustuling. It's just unbelievable. And who wants to drink milk contaminated with that? Uh, and then, of course, there are questions about the, the growth hormone that ends up in the milk, which can promote cancerous growth. And that would be the person that's drinking the milk, I presume. The bottom line is, is that we had two... Health Canada scientists who blew the whistle on this product. Health Canada was all set to uh, shove it down our throats by way of allowing, well, Agricultural Canada was in on the deal too, uh, to allow the dairy farmers to uh, be able to access this growth hormone. And and, and the thing is, why do we need cattle to produce more milk anyways when uh, there's already a glut of milk on the market? They have to dump it to maintain prices. It's just absurd. But in any case, the two scientists blew the whistle and the government was caught, you know, looking like it was on the mere edge of accepting a bribe from, uh, from the manufacturer, Monsanto. And the result is, is that we haven't got it in Canada. And of course, there's been a groundswell of opposition in the United States and dairy industry uh, realizing the concerns of their, uh, their customers, the consumer, have been uh, marketing their milk products uh, with a little sign saying uh, contains no bovine growth hormone. Some states actually passed legislation or tried to pass legislation banning 
that very label. That's right. Under the assumption that it would confuse consumers. We talked about this in a previous episode. Yes. And it, it, it's interesting how hiding information from consumers is, is going to help with their confusion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the consumer needs to know. And of course, uh, Shiv uh, Chopra is one of the scientists that blew the whistle on uh, the uh, bovine growth hormone and, uh, the, and the other scientist whose name escapes me right now. They were fired. They were fired for, uh, for their efforts. And they took their case to the Supreme Court of Canada. And even the Supreme Court sold them down the river by d- denying their appeal failing to overturn uh, the government's uh, decision. And so we can't even trust our courts to do the right thing. All the more reason why we have to be really wary about bills like C6. Because if the courts can uh, be influenced in favor of industry and government relative to the interests of the people, then we're really in danger of a totalitarian state. A fait accompli, in fact. Shiv Copra, he he wrote a book called Corrupt to the Core, Memoirs of a Health Canada Whistleblower. And it's available at, at any bookstore. You can see the review on foodsarenotdrugs.com through Amazon. There's a link. And if you're interested, take a look at that. So we've got government corruption. We've got organizations that are claiming to represent uh, the our consumer, interests, when the in consumer. fact, yeah, and our interests when in fact they represent their sometimes referred to as astroturf, astroturf being artificial grass that they put in these uh, football stadiums and uh, so on. The one you brought up is the American Council on Science and Health, which has been criticized. If you look it up in Wikipedia, they've been criticized to be a corporate front group that is pretending to be a neutral council on science. Yeah, that's a very official-sounding name. In fact, sounds almost government-like, you know, a government agency, American Council on Science and Health. It gives it at their patina of, of uh, being genuine, when in fact it's a false front. It's uh, more of a threat to your health than any conceived benefit. Apparently her organization, Elizabeth Whalen, the founder of American Council of on science and health, received more than 75% of their funding from the chemical and pharmaceutical industry and on record as defending almost almost every pharmaceutical product that... Yeah, every that drug, every artificial color, every artificial flavor, every uh, synthetic or artificial sweetener. And they've also endorsed herbicides, insecticides, synthetic fertilizers, Genetic engineered uh, organisms such as GMO corn, GMO soy, GMO cotton, so that we can have cotton seed oil in our food. Since when was cotton a part of our diet? It's just uh, incredible. And the latest thing is now I, I came across something that chickens are smart enough to recognize corn in their feed that is genetically modified and they'll just walk right past it, and they'll go for the real McCoy. Another thing that the American Council on Science and Health is known for is criticizing other industries, including the dangerous natural supplement industry. Yes, and of course, how, how many people can you find in the records uh, that governments keep so well in Canada and the United States 
uh, where uh, people have died wholesale because of taking a vitamin or a mineral and a herb? And the answer is a great big zero. But yet we can turn around and look at thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people uh, in North America as well as in Western Europe that have died as a result of a pharmaceutical such as uh, Vioxx and Baycol and what's the other one? Celebrex. Celebrex is still on the market, if I'm not mistaken, in Canada and the United States, yet it does exactly the same thing that Vioxx and, and Baycol did, and that is put you at risk for heart attack or stroke or heart failure, and of course it puts you at risk for damage to your liver and kidney. Isn't that wonderful? And so why is this still on the market? And you really have to, you, see, you can see that while government is so worried about the natural health products industry putting an innocent vitamin or mineral or herbal on the market or, or, or a, a, a nutritional food product, yet they'll turn a blind eye and, and allow companies uh, like uh, Bayer and Merck and Pfizer to come out with these products that are deadly. And it, why is it always after the fact? They never stop these things before they get to market. It's always after the fact. And they're using their, that excuse with the pharmaceutical industry to try and bury the natural health products industry. And it just shows you how dishonest. But then when you look at these health bureaucrats, they're all from the same mold. They come from the chemical industry. They come from the pharmaceutical industry. Are they going to bite the hand that originally fed them and is very likely to feed them after they leave government? I would say not bloody likely. So we have to look at these people with great suspicion because can they really be trusted to look out for the interests of, of uh, Canadians and our American cousins when uh, they have allowed such devastation? I mean, we have Pfizer being fined by the U.S. government to the tune of $2.3 billion because of marketing it for conditions that it was never approved for. And has the Canadian equivalent, the Health Protection Branch of Health Canada, I don't see anywhere in the newspapers where they have fined Pfizer in Canada for uh, breaking the law in terms of promoting these drugs for uh, purposes that they were never approved for. Where, 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 where is the justice there? So what's going on with, uh, with our health minister? And what's going on with our cabinet and the Mulroney, or it might as well be the Mulroney government. This one, I would say, is almost turning out to be just as corrupt, the Harper government, when it comes to, you know, with their nose up the backside of uh, big business. Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot of issues uh, and a lot of things going on in Canadian politics, politics of health. And as I say, these people are coming from uh, an education that uh, makes them biased towards just one aspect of, uh, of life, and that is the chemistry. And without even looking, the fundamentals of, of uh, sound nutrition, not only uh, in terms of what's on your dinner table or your breakfast table, but what is in the soil that we grow our food on, and is that nutritional content there that it's carried uh, into the 
marketplace and then into the home and prepared for consumption. They are lost in, uh, in, in things like these drugs for treating disease rather than what caused the disease in the first place. Is it nutritionally based that uh, people are suffering from uh, deficiencies in certain uh, nutritional factors? This is, uh, these are the things that are not being addressed properly uh, by our politicians and certainly not by the bureaucrats. They're only, they're only lost in, in drugs and uh, chemicals and, uh, and, of course, that gets us into allopathic medicine, which is strictly cut, that's operations, poison, the use of toxic drugs, and the use of radiation, that's burning, cut, poison, and burn, when it comes to dealing with the metabolic diseases like cancer, uh, like uh, heart disease, uh, and, of course, other diseases that these drugs are developed to not cure, but merely suppress symptoms. And because there is no cure, the patient has to keep coming back for more and more refill of his prescription. And uh, it means a, a guaranteed return to the manufacture of that prescription drug. But in the meantime, uh, the patient is uh, suffering side effects, which means uh, drugs to suppress those side effects. So it's more. And the result is where you go to a doctor's office and get a prescription for one drug, by the time your life is almost over, you're probably on 17 different drugs, half of which are there to suppress the side effects of the uh, other half. Well, it sounds like a good business model. Absolutely. You can't lose on that. And, of course, uh, that's why we have uh, scientists that have been totally ignored in, in their work in the field of nutrition. We've seen medical doctors pilloried and driven out of practice by the licensing boards who are there not on behalf of, uh, uh, of are these, uh, do these doctors have a garage full of bodies? No. They are actually curing patients. But that doesn't put any cornflakes on the table of big pharma. And you have a situation like, uh, say, the a College of Physicians and Surgeons of one province where they actually have on the college board, a fellow whose PhD is uh, involved in pharmacology and drugs. So he's there to make sure that they're pushing the drugs, obviously. And, and, I, and I know of doctors who lost their license to practice medicine because they weren't prescribing enough drugs or were not prescribing drugs at all. I know of one doctor who um, is uh, living in Williams Lake. He's now an ex-doctor. I, I'm not just sure how he's making out for a living, but he's probably gone into natu naturopathy where the college can't touch him. But his crime, as far as the College of Physicians and Surgeons of this province, was that uh, he wasn't prescribing drugs like uh, Ritalin to hyperactive kids, and he wasn't prescribing... Uh, it's an antipsychotic anti drug or an antidepressant drug to uh, his patients suffering from uh, chronic depression. That's that was his crime, and so he lost his license. How did they find out that he wasn't? Well, because drugs? patients, of course, going by the drug advertising, they want to be prescribed these drugs. And his position as a physician said, "These drugs aren't going to help you. They're just going to make your condition worse. But why don't you try this?" And so they probably complained to the college, not because they were poisoned to death, you know, not because they ended up in a coffin and and in an early grave. No, simply because uh, he decided to prescribe what he felt was better for them, and they chose to challenge that. 
And of course, we know already when the big pharma comes out with a new breakthrough in some drug, Herbitux is a perfectly good example. This is an anti-cancer drug. It costs the Medicare twelve, no, $2,400 a week to treat a cancer patient. And in spite of the fact that after 12 months of treatment, the tumors have shrunk, but the patient is dead, and there are some provinces that have refused to pay for this treatment because they have recognized the Medicare people or people running the provincial Medicare have recognized the drug isn't worth the, the powder to blow it, blow it to you know where. It, uh, it, is, uh, it is a useless drug and it's causing an unnecessary expense on Medicare and taking away money that would be better spent elsewhere in terms of patient treatment and care. And this is a fact. And, uh, but some provinces, they, yeah, it's available, but it doesn't do any good. As I said, it, it shrinks tumors, takes about 12 months to do it, but in the meantime, the patient's dead. So uh, this is the kind of drugs that they approve. And I mean, we could, I could come up with uh, other examples of this kind of pharmacology, and it's absolutely insane. And just like uh, I can talk about the situation of several years ago in, uh, in uh, Edmonton, there were about seven men who were on the waiting list for a heart transplant. Their, their hearts were in such bad shape, uh, I guess because of their uh, industrial exposure or their lifestyle or a combination of both. And they were persuaded to take chelation therapy. And for anybody who doesn't know anything about chelation therapy, this is an infusion of a chemical for which the body has no affinity for. But while it's circulating through the whole cardiovascular system, it has a nice happen of pulling out toxic metals that can contribute to cardiovascular disease. It can actually lower cholesterol, and the bad kind, and help to increase the good time, open up the arteries for better circulation, and the result is, and of course, they were also given coenzyme Q10, uh, which is a um, vitamin-like enzyme that your own body produces. And, and of course, a lot of these drugs that were given, especially drugs like Vioxx and Baycol, who suppress production of CoQ10 and are responsible for the epidemic of heart failure and heart attack and other disastrous health conditions and death, but in any case, they were given chelation therapy, they were given coenzyme Q10, and they were able to cancel the operation. They didn't have to have the heart transplant. And this was a communication to me, given to me by an Alberta cardiovascular surgeon who is now retired, but he chose to practice chelation therapy along with several other colleagues in the Edmonton area. And uh, can you imagine, what does a heart transplant cost? It could be hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially after if there's any complications and the, the years that they will have to be on anti-rejection drugs and the fact that uh, the transplant may fail and they'll have to try for a second one. Well, they didn't have to have transplants at all. Of the seven, one of them did go for a transplant. Not because he needed it, but because it was available. Now, here, I mean, this is the stupidity of, uh, of medical science, that just because it's available, he's going to take it, even though it's obvious he doesn't need it. But it's there, so he took it. 
And I guess he wanted to be better safe than sorry if he didn't believe that the yeah, natural therapy he couldn't worked. He couldn't accept the results that he saw in the other six patients. And I mean, this is one of the best kept secrets of chelation therapy uh, in Canada. And I can remember uh, getting a phone call from uh, a CTV medical reporter, Avis Favreau, and telling me about this great study that these cardiologists uh, read out at a, uh, at a convention uh, proving that chelation therapy didn't work. It was never published, but when I got hold of, uh, of the, uh, how do you call it, the uh, abstract. abstract and had a good look at it, well, no wonder it was designed to fail. And of course, who better uh, wants to do away with chelation therapy than somebody who makes a living uh, doing heart uh, bypasses and heart transplants? And so, uh, and of course, uh, I pointed that out to this person and never got the, the courtesy of a reply. And so uh, I learned that from this person, I really don't trust what they have to say when it comes to health issues. And so when there's a breakthrough, I take a second look, sometimes even a third look. Well, you know what you're talking about when, you're, when we're talking about chelation therapy. You, you used to be the BC Chelation Therapy Association president. That's right. Know? I was a co-founder, uh, uh, Ted Dixon, the late Ted Dixon. He was faced with possible uh, heart bypass surgery, and he, he didn't want it, and he he came to me because I was running my health shop, and what, what can he do? Well, I told him what he could do with regard to uh, changing his diet, getting rid of the things that are bad for the heart, and incorporate into his diet things that are good for the heart, as well as fortify his diet with certain uh, uh, supplements that the, the heart would benefit from. But I said, also, I suggest you look into chelation therapy. And I drew his attention to the fact that there was a medical doctor in Bellingham just across the border from Vancouver that was doing chelation therapy. I also put him in touch with other chelation doctors, one in Port Townsend, another one in Renton, Washington, and, of course, uh, the American College for Advancement in Medicine, who are big exponents of chelation therapy. They have twice-a-year conventions and seminars and workshops training doctors in these uh, health modalities. And, of course, uh, they're, they're probably, this is probably the best-kept secret in North America, as far as our media is concerned. And I've said, well, why don't you go to these conventions and find out for yourself what's going on and interview these doctors who have case histories to show to you? And they don't, you know. And that's, that's, the, that's the flaw in our media. There's none so blind as those who will not seek and see. For this study, yeah. how did they design it to fail? Well, one of the most notorious ones, and this is a similar one, they, they, they gave iron, an iron supplement, to the chelated group. Placebo is supposed to be a false pill. It's supposed to be inert. would have no effect on the body. But in this case, the placebo contained vitamin C uh, and B vitamins and, I think, magnesium, but not the EDTA. And, of course, they would get similar results, but the trouble is, is that as the as it progresses after, after the studies ended, you find that the placebo group are falling behind, whereas the chelation group are still improving. And that was the case with the New Zealand study that was published way back in the uh, middle 1970s. This reminds me of the Saw Palmetto study, yeah. where they got uh, headlines you know, in, in all the major papers saying that Saw Palmetto does not work. But then uh, you pointed out that the study... In the, in, the, in the footnotes of the study, 
in the abstract. It said that it, the results may have been this way because we used inactivated saw palmetto. Yeah, that was to do with prostate enlargement. Yeah, that was uh, that was uh, to do with a prostate uh, prostatic. Uh, what do they call it? Uh, hyper- Benign prostate hyperplasia. Yeah, exactly, and that's what that had to do with. And uh, I mean, uh, and of course, uh, even now uh, there are somebody in the natural health industry that are knocking saw palmetto. But there are some excellent products out there that are, have been uh, modified to concentrate the, uh, the factors that uh, made saw palmetto work in the first place. You just don't have to take as much as you would if you just took the saw palmetto berries. Uh, yeah, this is, this is typical of, uh, of doctoring up a study to uh, make your case for the allopath method of treatment as opposed to, I mean, who wants the roto-rooter when it comes to... Uh, who, who, who needs to be uh, reamed out when you can shrink the gland naturally? And, of course, uh, now we're finding out that the vitamin D plays a big role in that, too, mm-hmm. in, in actually shrinking the prostate gland and also uh, as a prevention against prostatic cancer, among other cancers. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm afraid that our health regulators have got a lot to answer for because there's an awful lot of people who have died unnecessarily because the health regulators are more interested in protecting the interests of big pharma and big medicine rather than the interests of the Canadian health consumer. Okay, so I think that wraps it up for this week. for listening to Health Empowerment News with Prof. Woodruff. See you next week.